So actually wasn't so sure I wanted to say thanks be to God just then because I don't like this parable. I don't like it at all. <laughs> it makes me feel really uncomfortable to read about panicked bridesmaids running off to the store at midnight only to be shut out of the wedding feast when they return because it sounds like something I would do. Not only am I, I'm a, am I a very practiced procrastinator, but I also have a fear, a very deep fear, of failing to do what I should do. And this parable just gives me the heebie-jeebies, I tell you. I also find myself disturbed by the selfishness of the so-called wise bridesmaid. Would it have killed them to have shared a little of their oil? I mean, come on. And then there's the bridegroom. Not only does he take his time showing up, but then he turns away the bridesmaids who have run out to find oil because they are late to the party. Really? Yeah. I don't like this parable at all. And maybe it makes you uncomfortable too. So let's be brave and look at it together and see what this disturbing story of Jesus might have to say to us. So let's start with a little bit of context. Um, this story is one of four parables that describe how Jesus' followers are to live in the time between his ascension into heaven after his resurrection and his return to earth in glory. Although Jesus was very clear that only God knows the time of his return, the first Christians expected this event to happen within their lifetimes. As the years went by without the fulfillment of Christ's promise, those Christians, or actually later Christians, found themselves wrestling with this unexpected delay. After three millennia, we are still waiting. It's been a long time. And if you're like me, just about the only time you think about Christ's promised return is during the prayer before communion when we say, Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. I have to admit, though, that recent events have more than once led me to pray that God will finally act to fulfill the age-old promise of bringing righteousness, justice, and peace on earth. And I also find myself wondering how we can live in the meantime. The bridesmaids in this parable are also living in the meantime, as it were. Weddings in Jesus' day were lengthy affairs involving extensive negotiations between the families, a procession from the bride's family home to the home of the bridegroom, and a feast that sometimes lasted for days. It is likely that these bridesmaids are young women in the bridegroom's household, and their job is to meet the bridegroom and his bride and escort them to the wedding feast. And so they are waiting for the bridegroom to come. All of these young women are eager to do their duty at the beginning of the parable, but for some unknown reason, the bridegroom is delayed. In fact, he fails to come for such a long time that the bridesmaids fall asleep. And at this point, all ten bridesmaids act exactly alike. All of them come to welcome the bridegroom. All of them carry lamps to light his way, and all of them fall asleep. And when a shout awakens them, the bridegroom has arrived, come and meet him, all of them spring into action. They begin to trim the charred ends off the wicks of their lamps so that they will burn their brightest. But unfortunately, when they attempt to relight their lamps, 
five of the bridesmaids discover that the oil in their lamps has gone, is almost gone, and their lamps will not relight. The other five have so, no such trouble because they had the foresight to bring along extra flasks of oil. Now, up to this point, none of the bridegrooms seem anxious that the bridegroom is delayed. All of them trust that in his own good time, the bridegroom will come. Their example encourages us to do likewise, to live in faith that in God's good time, God will act. In his commentary on this passage, John M. Buchanan writes, Christian hope rests on the trust that God who created the world will continue to love the world with gentle providence, will continue the process of creation until the project is complete, and will continue to redeem and save the world by coming into it with love and grace in Jesus Christ. Having such faith is easy when life is going well and things are relatively peaceful and prosperous. It's harder to hang on to that faith when the news is scary or our lives are interrupted by illness or loss and we have to wait things out. It's then that we need some extra oil for our lamps. Janet Hunt points out that the problem in this parable is not the shortage of oil. It's that the so-called foolish bridesmaids forgot their need of it. Sometimes we do too. We forget that spending time with God in prayer is not something to be checked off of our to-do list, but an opportunity to deepen our relationship with God. We forget to drink from the well of Scripture and to refresh our faith in worship. We forget that the oil of God's love is always available to us if we are ready to receive it. And when we forget, our lamps burn low. Having said that, I think that the reason that Jesus calls these bridesmaids morai, the root from which we get the word moron, is not their lack of preparation. They are foolish not because they forget to bring extra oil, but because they get their priorities mixed up. When they discover that their lamps are going out, the flustered bridesmaids turn to their companions for help. And when the other tells them to go and get their own oil, they dash off on what was, is literally a fool's errand to find someone who will sell them oil in the dead of night. What these young women failed to realize is that the oil really doesn't matter in this case. What matters is that they are there to greet the bridegroom. Their task is not to light his way, but to welcome him and his bride to the, free to the feast, not to show their due diligence, but to share in his joy. In other words, the bridesmaids forget to focus on the bridegroom instead of themselves. Let's look at the wise bridesmaids for a moment. They remember to bring extra oil, but their priorities are also mixed up. As Audrey West points out in an article in the magazine Christian Century, these young women seem proud of their accomplishment, proud enough to grasp it with clenched fists and refuse to let go. When the foolish sisters ask them to share, their answer is swift. There's not enough. Go buy your own. Their response reveals the insidious assumption that there is only so much oil, so much good to go around. 
Their lamps are lit, but their vision is limited. The wise bridesmaids, in fact, made sure that they were there for the bridegroom, but in the process, they forgot to care about their friends. They don't appear to be at all anxious for the other bridesmaids as they go off on their errand, nor do they bother to tell the bridegroom to wait for them. And because of their lack of concern, the bridesmaids are shut out of the feast. Though we usually focus on the wisdom of these bridesmaids in bringing extra oil, I can't help but wonder if Jesus also meant us to notice their selfishness, especially since in the final parable of this chapter, Jesus commends those who serve the least of these and thus serve him. In a way, these so-called wise bridesmaids have let their inner light go out. Audrey West goes on to point out something else. That in their failure to care for the other women, these wise bridesmaids not only dim their own light, but they also diminish the wedding feast. She writes, Five lamps at full strength provide no more light than ten lamps at half strength. But five extra people at the party would almost surely result in a more substantial celebration. The wise bridesmaids remembered to bring the oil, yes, but they forgot the importance of relationships. They forgot to be there for each other. Sometimes we do too. We forget that when we help those in need, we strengthen not only their hope, but our own. We forget that offering forgiveness not only stores relationships, but eases our burdens. We forget that though loving others can be hard, it fills us with joy. We forget that even the smallest acts of kindness can multiply. Perhaps the way we keep awake our faith in God's future is not only by refueling our relationship with him, but also by taking care of our relationship with others. There's something else that we sometimes forget. We forget the nature of the one who comes. We don't know why the bridegroom in the parable is late, but we do know that during his ministry on earth, Jesus was always ready and willing to drop what he was doing in order to care for the needs of others. Three men lower their friend into the midst of a crowded house, and Jesus takes time to forgive and heal him. He stops teaching to go with an anxious father who asked him to heal his daughter and still takes time to reassure a woman who has touched his robe in a desperate attempt to be healed herself. Over and over again, Jesus lays aside his own plans in order to help others. Those five foolish bridesmaids hurried to find oil because they were fearful of being found with their lamps out. But if Jesus is the bridegroom, then surely he would respond with compassion to these bridesmaids, even if they were foolish enough to run out of oil. Surely we too can trust in his compassion and his grace when we do the same. And maybe there is one more thing that we can trust. That when Christ comes, he comes to make things right, to bring peace and justice and joy. The bridegroom here is not coming to pass judgment on the adequacies of the bridesmaid's lamplight. 
he is coming to celebrate with them at his wedding feast. In truth, he has no need of their lamps, for as Mark Juglas notes, there is already enough light at the banquet. Instead, the bridegroom needs and wants the bridesmaids to rejoice with him. We are still waiting for Christ to return. How do we live in the meantime? While this parable may make us uncomfortable, it also serves as a wake-up call to help us keep our priorities straight. It encourages us to fill up our lamps with prayer and worship and scripture and to light them with God's love and then to let our lives shine, not by hoarding our oil, but by sharing God's love with others. We live in perilous times indeed, but we can trust in the one who comes in our hearts and will come in glory. In spite of everything, let us act out our hope in God's promises and live in the joy of his love, keeping awake to the signs of his presence in our lives and in the world, here and now. May it be so. Amen and amen.